The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. I'm your host, Jason, along with my co-host, Roger. And uh, we are back for another episode to think through the Word of God and application of the Word of God and the Christian life and uh, just what we're doing this side of eternity and preparation for coming face-to-face with the Savior. So as Roger and I have been talking about some of the questions that have come up and some of the things people have been wanting us to discuss, one of the themes that comes up regularly, whether it's people asking for the podcast or in other contexts, is the topic of the Holy Scriptures. Uh, What do we know about the Scriptures? Should we trust them? Are they trustworthy? Uh, What are the Scriptures? And uh, so with that, we thought it'd be fun uh, to do a, a series through the confession statement on the Holy Scriptures. So what we're going to do uh, today and, and uh, coming up in a, for a few episodes at least is we're going to think through together uh, what the London Baptist Confession of 1689 says about the Scriptures. It's chapter 1 of the Confession. Um, and, and we're going to just work our way through and, and address a number of questions that come up, whether in the Confession or just things that we know people are asking about the Scriptures one of the reasons we thought this was a, a really important topic, or I should say a few of the reasons these are this is an important topic, is that the Bible is really the source of our doctrine and our teaching. And if we don't know what we believe about the Bible, then that really puts into question everything that we teach and all that we believe. Uh, and we also know that the Bible has a whole lot to say about itself. And if we're going to uh, you know, understand it, we want to know what it says to us about itself. And, and treat it the way God wants it to be treated. What we believe about the Bible determines how we treat the Bible. And that's really important. And of course, we're trying to equip. And uh, we know that there are a lot of challenges today to the scriptures. And, and we want to equip one another and, and be ready to face those challenges. Um, so, Roger, any, any introductory thoughts on why this is such an important study or episode? Yeah, I think that's a good summary to start us off with. Um, I think to add into it, we live in a day um, where, you know, what is truth? What truth are we living by? Uh, Where do our beliefs come from? Um, And so it's important to go back uh, to what we believe is the foundation for all truth. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because I've been saying recently, um, I feel like Pilate these days, you know, what is truth? Uh, You can't trust anybody you know all these experts saying different things about all sorts of stuff and i go wait who do i even believe but the good thing for us is we know the truth of the gospel that we can believe mm-hmm. uh, and it comes to us from the scriptures and uh, so it's an important topic yeah amen why don't you uh start us out roger by reading to us uh just uh, the first chapter of the uh or first article of chapter one of the london baptist confession Okay, this is a, a good, good long statement, so hold on tight. <laughs> the Holy Scriptures are the only sufficient, certain, and infallible standard of all saving knowledge, faith, and obedience. The light of nature and the works of creation and providence so clearly demonstrate the goodness 
wisdom and power of God that people are left without excuse. However, these demonstrations are not sufficient to give the knowledge of God and his will that is necessary for salvation. Therefore, the Lord was pleased at different times and in various ways to reveal himself and to declare his will to his church, to preserve and propagate the truth better, and to establish and comfort the church with greater certainty against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of Satan and the world, the Lord put this revelation completely in writing. Therefore, the Holy Scriptures are absolutely necessary because God's former ways of revealing his will to his people have now ceased. There is a lot in that statement. Yes, that's I, a big summary statement. It really is. <laughs> I'd, I'd almost forgotten uh, how much they plugged into that first statement. And it's, yeah. it's uh, one of, I think we said 10 mm-hmm. uh, in this chapter. But, you know, Roger, as I'm looking at that, and as you were reading it, a number of things jumped out at me. Uh, one of them is kind of right in the middle. It talks about, you know, the if you look at the, the second sentence, the light of nature, the works of creation, you know, it talks about that, which I think is important to think about the fact that God reveals himself through the light of nature, through general revelation. Mm-hmm. But it then says these demonstrations are not sufficient to give the knowledge of God and his will that's necessary for salvation. Yeah, that's a really important Mm -hmm. point. If we're going to talk about scripture, why do we need the scriptures? Mm -hmm. And their answer is, well, general revelation, though it's good and it's real, it cannot, it's not sufficient to lead us to salvation. What do you, what do you think about the way they put that? Yeah. And I think they're answering the, the question of all of scripture, what's wrong with us? How do we get right with God and where are we going? And nature and the natural revelation around us cannot give us that knowledge. It it can tell us about the greatness of one who is behind that. Maybe, you know, if you think who created this. Yeah. You see, there's a greatness of somebody or, you know, a being behind that, but it can't tell you what's wrong with your heart or even the solution to the that solution. problem. That's right. So people can just say, yes, I believe in God generically, but the specific understanding of the revelation of Christ only comes through the scripture. We can't see Christ in natural revelation. So there's a, there's an insufficiency of the natural revelation that they're pointing out, they're bringing out of. Yeah. Uh, and that's really important because if you think about it, uh, you know, there's no scientist that's going to be able to make observations and collect enough evidence and go through the scientific method and test, et cetera, yeah. to come to the conclusion that the gospel yeah. is true, <laughs> right? Now, they could make observations and philosophers and scientists have made observations that tell them, oh, there must be something standing behind all this. Yeah, there, there, you know, I, I talk about the fact that I hung out with an atheist friend in law school and he, at some point he came to the conclusion like, well, there must be a God, but that didn't change his heart to yeah. trust in the trust in Christ. It didn't actually uh, give him the gospel. Yeah. It, it kind of made him aware that there is something much bigger than him, a little bit about the character of God in some sense, mm-hmm. but it couldn't lead him to an awareness of the answer that God has, like you said, the response and remedy. Yeah. 
I also liked, and I don't know what you thought about this, but I loved how the authors of the confession tie the scriptures to the church. Isn't that interesting? It says, mm-hmm. therefore, the Lord was pleased at different times and in various ways to reveal himself and declare his will to his church. The scriptures, really, they, in some sense, I don't know if I'm going to say this theologically in, in an accurate way, but they create the church, right? That this, It's the truth that creates the church, not the church. I think the Roman Catholics say the church not created the scriptures, but in a sense, give authority to the scriptures. I think it's the opposite way. And the scriptures are ours. Mm-hmm. The churches, they're for the believer. They're for God's elect. They are what mark us off in many ways. Yeah. And I also think of that. We weren't created just to be on our own. We were created to be in the church, in the body and that the scriptures are being interpreted and applied through the church. Oh, it's true. And through Amen. the preaching of the word each week, you're 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 opening up to us God's word, right? And yeah. and there's uh, those leaders in the church who are 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 interpreting and guarding the truth, so that it, it was given uh, for the church. Yeah, for this corporate body. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That that seems important. I'm sure we can. Uh, dig into that some more but uh, but look at the next statement too as he taught as they talk about it it's preserving and propagating the truth better and to establish and comfort the church with greater certainty against the corruption of the flesh and the malice of satan and the world mm. the lord put this revelation completely in writing yeah and it's just think about the the uh, attacks that come from everywhere, come from inside of us, come from the world around us, and come from the satanic uh, influence. And, and think about that. If we didn't have the scriptures, the written word of God today, and we were depending on you know this this oral transmission that you know yeah. a lot of cultures have, and of course the scripture or the the truth of God has been transmitted orally as well. But imagine what happened in the early church in the you know second, third, yeah. fourth centuries, when all of a sudden there were these attacks on the doctrine of the Trinity, for instance, the the, the deity of Christ. Yeah. If we didn't have the scriptures to go back to, uh, you know, to to study, to understand, to allow to be the authority, those are that is the authority. It's God's word to us. Yeah. We wouldn't be protected against the malice of Satan, the world, the corruption, the flesh, etc. And so, I, I like that statement from the authors here. Um, so, why it's in writing? And it gives us if they talk about that greater certainty. How can you have certainty of anything if you don't have something that's fixed, that's objective, that goes beyond just man? Hmm. You know, if we're making things up as we go, which seems like we do. Uh, in our day today, just make up whatever you want. Yeah. But if you don't have something fixed, you don't have that objective uh, truth, yeah. then anything goes based on popular opinion, based on the day that we live in compared to however, you know, the the past. It, it's always changing. Yeah. Um, but we have, even as we're talking about the confession, we're talking about a confession written 1689 mm-hmm. that's going back to scripture that yep. was written you know, in the prior time, you yeah. know, and so we're still going back to that objective truth to say, no, this is the foundation for our lives. Amen. The unchanging word of God. 
you know, heaven and earth will pass away, mm-hmm. but his word remains forever. And we're yeah. seeing it. Praise the Lord. And, and also the last line, this, therefore the Holy Scriptures are absolute, uh, are absolutely necessary because God's former ways of revealing his will to his people have now ceased. That's yeah. interesting and important and maybe controversial <laughs> with some people. So he's saying, okay, the, the, the confession is saying, that there, there's no longer a prophet who's going to come and give to us, thus saith the Lord. Yeah. Okay. And, and there's no longer going to be an addition to the Holy word of God. We have it in its fullness. Um, and we must live by it and not wait for and expect this new light to come, uh, from somewhere else. Christ w- was, is the perfect revelation yeah. of the father. Uh, Hebrews one. Uh, we don't need anything more. Now it's been inscripturated. It's we have it in its fullness. What, what do you think? You, you had a smile on your face, Roger. I was kind of laughing. I was thinking in my head of how many people bring new revelation and people follow. You yeah. think of all the cultic followings and the teachings that people bring today, the new teachings. You know, yeah. you can look at major organizations like the Mormon Church that have rediscovered the scriptures and have right. written new scriptures. You can look at any kind of you know, cults. I love watching the documentaries. It's just fascinating to see uh, what occurs and yeah. the people that follow. Well, uh, and it's really interesting because I think confessions and creeds help us mm-hmm. protect against those types of new revelations yeah. and new ways of thinking. We're saying there's a, there's a, a pattern of sound words, uh, a, a, a doctrine given by the scriptures that have been passed on from one generation mm-hmm. to the next, the trustworthy word and teaching about our God through the Holy scriptures, um, you know, entrusted to faithful men to preach from yeah. one generation to the next. We don't need new light. We need the old light. We need to go back <laughs> to the scriptures. And, and so, but throughout church history, you've had this, even after the reformation, those, uh, you know, so many new, perspectives and new light and new prophetic groups and uh, interesting stuff. Why do you think that, that the, the ancient confessions were not used as you think historically and, and you see these time periods and these time periods are changing. And now we're in a time where, you know, you have all of these different types of denominations and yeah. you have some that are more confessional that go back and then, Today, we have a lot of just, you know, Bible-believing churches. We just trust the Bible. The Bible is our yeah. creed. That's, that's We don't need anything else. But what do you think happened that causes so many, uh, you know, so many not to go back or to want to have these confessions as uh, a help and as an aid to guide the, the thinking of the church? I, I think that... Part of it is this idea that, uh, you know, like you said, Bible churches, we don't need a creed. We don't need any human uh, writings or documents. We just have the Bible. The, the problem is, you know what that means? They have their teacher, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right? Their human teacher and whatever he says for that yeah. day. What I love about the fact that our church, for instance, is becoming more confessional is it protects the church from me, yeah. <laughs> right? And we need protection. <laughs> and, you, and you too. Because if yeah. I get up and I start pontificating and kind of creating my own, you know, yeah. teaching and, and I'm on my soapbox and yeah. um, that that's not what you want. You want the word of God, the historic Christian faith as passed down, faithful teacher to, and, and on and on and on because the source is Christ himself. Yeah. Um, 
I don't. And, and so when you've got these you know, people, oh, me and my Bible only, what they really mean, like I said, is that whatever that teacher is that they're trusting for that day, how often, what happens when that teacher, maybe that was a faithful teacher at the yeah. head of a Bible church, and then he walks away, retires, passes away. What happens if the next guy is not as faithful? And and what determines if he's faithful? How do mm-hmm. they, how do the elders test that? What's what's that look like if they don't have a faithful confession yeah. to test it by? Yeah, and I think that even today, uh, you know, churches have statements of faith, mm-hmm. which are really just mini confessions That's right. that, that they have, but they're much more brief yeah. than what we're even talking about as as we're looking at the confession. Even just this one article we're looking at as talking about the scriptures. I mean, we haven't got into much no. in, in in what we see here, so... Uh, we see more the importance of, of how the confessions can guide our thinking and with clarity that they even bring out thoughts. That's what I really yeah. uh, have enjoyed as we've been digging deeper into it, uh, slowly walking through and trying to help others yeah. see the value and benefit of these ancient creeds that are, are not uh, outdated. They're still for us today. To that, help us. That's right. These are g- people that God has used and is continuing to use to, to teach his people. I, I think you make a good point. Sometimes we read the confession, we're like, I wouldn't have thought about that <laughs> had they not brought it out, you know, for various reasons. But yeah. Uh, you know, do you, do you want to go to the, the second um, article there? I think the second article that's going to be... Uh, you're going to do a, a song for us. Uh, you to, want me to sing it? <laughs> I want you to sing the books of the of the Old and New Testament. So article number two <laughs> are the Holy Scriptures, and they specifically write out what are the books of the Old and New Testament for a particular reason, because article three mm-hmm. is going to clarify something that was very important in their day that wasn't in ours. But but do you have the song? of? I told you earlier, <laughs> off the air, Roger. <laughs> I don't know the song, so I know what you're trying to do, but that's a really important point. So we, we are, what article two has is the 66 books of the Bible, the 39 books of the old Testament as we know it, and the 27 books of the new Testament. Um, and you made it clear and I think it's really important. Go ahead and why don't you read the third one? So the third article says the books commonly called the Apocrypha were not given by divine inspiration and so are not part of the canon or standard of the scriptures. Therefore, they have no authority for the church of God and are not to be recognized or used in any way different from other human writings. And that's because the Roman Catholic Church (laughs) was using uh, apocryphal texts uh, that historically had not been accepted as canon they had not been looked at as scripture, but because some of the doctrines they wanted mm-hmm. to teach and propagate were found in, in those. Now, this is a simplistic, quick overview, but yeah. um, they did use those and tried to use them as authority. And the Protestant reformers responded by making clear that those were not, those are deuterocanonical. They're a second, at best, a second canon. They're not a can- canonical. Um, and I like how the confessions want to make it explicit because they want us to know what are we really talking about when we say the scriptures? Mm-hmm. It's these 66 books only. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then they, they split it up in a sense and say the 66 books have authority over us. That's right. These other books, the Apocrypha is referring to does not have authority 
and is just recognized as any other writing that we would look at. So any other literature we could look at and say it has that same, uh, it's, it's, it doesn't have authority over us. It's just writings. And, and it doesn't mean it's bad, mm-hmm. right? And there, 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 a lot of the apocryphal texts are interesting. They're, they're helpful to us historically. If you read through some of them, they give you a background to the intertestamental period that we don't have mm-hmm. elsewhere. It's not in the, the, the canonical scriptures. And so they can be useful, but they're not authoritative. Mm-hmm. And that's really important. So people, um, we, we're not doing canonicity right now, but people are always asking, what about the, the Gnostic Gospels? And what about the Gospel of Thomas? And yeah. well, it, that's not even what the Apocrypha is talking about, by the way. That's, that's not part of the Apocrypha. But um, some of those are looked at later on by people as somehow scripture. And this is saying, no, it's very clear these 66 books only. So what's your, your argument? Somebody comes and asks, well, well, why not? Why can't, why aren't these books part of the canyon? If you simplified a response of why is the Apocrypha not part of the canon that we have today? I mean, this, uh, the, it's not a really simple question, Roger. Thanks for putting me on the spot. Let's give a simple answer. <laughs> I'll give a simple answer because Jesus. Um, no, I, I think the, the simplest way of, of answering it is that there are some marks mm-hmm. of uh, you know God's hand on on the books that we have that are not on these other books for instance uh, you can look historically and see that they were not accepted by God's people as authoritative books they were uh, you know we have uh, throughout church history we have uh, you know biblical history and church history documents that say which books were mm. understood to be authoritative. Um, and even though sometimes some of these apocryphal books show up on different lists, they are not generally speaking universally accepted. That's one of the, the keys. Um, you know, there are a few other things that we look at in canonicity in terms of their, their credibility and their, their, um, you're, you're making me veracity. There's other words that we use, but it's not really a quick answer, Roger. Yeah. Maybe we should do one episode on canonicity. Sure, you can. Make There's, yeah. <laughs> no, there, we, 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 I have a whole yeah. study prepared. There's good stuff. It's just uh, quickly, yeah. I'm trying to think. But it's important because, you know, we're not as familiar, especially if you're evangelical, you're not familiar with the Apocrypha um, yeah. very much unless you, you know, study it. And we hear, I, I think even today, we'll hear new, new bestsellers, you know, going back to these books and writing about this knowledge that we've missed for all of these years. And, yeah. and, and so it does get popular again, even today without people even realizing it. I mean, that's what happened with that whole Da Vinci code, mm-hmm. you know, looking back at some of the Gnostic writings and yeah, that's a good idea. You know, we'll do a, a whole thing on Canada state at some point. So should we go on to the next one? Number yeah. Number four. Four. The authority of the Holy Scriptures obligates belief in them. This authority does not depend on the testimony of any person or church, but on God, the author alone, who is truth itself. Therefore, the Scriptures are to be received because they are the Word of God. My sheep hear my voice, and they follow, right? This is, this is the, the voice of God is the scriptures are the voice of God mm-hmm. and it's not based on any other authority, but God himself and his own voice. Um, I love the first line, the authority of the Holy scriptures obligates belief in them. 
What, what do you make of that statement? It, it, it It's telling us that, that the scriptures are not just written as any other writing. It's not just you can you can read it and you can choose whether this is something to believe. It, it's calling you to believe in it. it, it it's commanding belief. It's saying this is truth. Yeah. And are you going to respond to it? There is, there is no, you know, there is no middle ground to it. It's yeah. belief yeah. in the scriptures. It's either belief or not belief. There isn't this kind of belief. Some of it's true. It's, it's all of the scripture. And what's interesting is it, it gives me the sense that, you know, if, if I call out to my children, Hey, come inside, mm-hmm. um, they know my voice. It obligates yeah. their response if they go, well, I want to make sure it's you, Baba. Hold on. Yeah. Let me find out. Can someone else come and tell me if that really is my dad calling? You know, they know my voice yeah. and they know when they're manipulating. Say, I didn't hear you, dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. You know you heard me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it obligates belief in them. And then it says it does not depend on the testimony of any person or church. Yeah. Why is that important? I think that's so important in our day. It's telling us that the church is not the holder of the truth. I mean, that's what the Roman Catholic Church has held, is that they are the ones who who hold all the truth. They're the arbiters of truth. Yeah. And it's telling us that no one church can say, we have authority overall. It, it, the authority lies in the Word of God. Yeah. Not in a particular body, not in even a particular person, as they say. It's not this person has the authority. Their authority, the authority comes from the Word of God. You're just uh, uh, communicating God's Word. And really, I mean, historically speaking, we're talking about a period of time where in England, they were terrified of returning to Catholic mm-hmm. rule. Yeah. They were afraid that the kings, King Charles, King James, they thought was going to come back in office and he uh, or take the throne and yeah. bring back Catholicism and... Um, and so you've got this real awareness that, hey, look, it's not the Pope. It's not the Roman Catholic Church. The scriptures are the authority above the church, mm-hmm. not the church over the scriptures. And so anytime you've got a situation where someone, teachers, elders, pastors, churches are going against the word of God, the word of God is to call them back. The word of God is the authority uh, not not those humans. You know, I was thinking about this, you know, of of authority. Um, you know, as we listen, as we we were talking about that podcast recently mm. um, about Mars Hill's church, yeah. and it, it just thinking about the authority that was commanded there. And I was just thinking in general the authority that could be exerted by a pastor, and how does that actually come out? And it mm. seems to play out in how you're supposed to take the word of God. And actually apply it to your life. So it's one standing above another and saying that my application is authoritative. You don't say that outright, but you're telling people this is how you shall live. Now the word of God does tell us how to yeah. how to live, but some of the specifics that come out can take more authority than God's word can at times. Yeah. And it's walking that fine line and realizing, you know, how we apply differently the word of God. Um, we want to be careful that that doesn't become the word of God. Our application doesn't now go above what God's word and, and how his authority uh, um, is communicated. It's really important. Even in the, in the period of time when they were writing the, the confession here, um, the, the, the centers, the non-Anglicans were 
very concerned with the Anglican Church because the Anglican Church was putting these requirements on membership in the body that were extra biblical, they said. They said, these are not what what Scripture actually is teaching, yeah. and you're making us do, you're, you're forcing these things upon us, and you're taking, and one of the arguments was, you are taking the role of Christ. Mm. It's He is the, the sole Lord of his church. And, and so very interesting. And sometimes I think when you've got, again, when you have a church situation that there's, let's say, no denomination, no confession, no real elders that are really holding each other yeah. accountable, and it's a one voice, you really do have more authority in that voice sometimes than in the scriptures. Yeah. And that is dangerous. Mm-hmm. And we have to protect against that. Uh, Roger, there is so much to talk about. Do you have anything else on that particular um, uh, article there, Article 4? No, I think it's, uh, you know, it, it's clear of driving us back to Scripture. And then at the end of the sentence, it says that they're to be received because it's the Word of God, reminding us that this isn't uh, just any writing. This is God's Word to us. Amen. Um, and so, yeah, before we go on to the next one, which is a little bit longer. Yeah, um, probably wrap this. Yeah, lot, lots to talk about um, with this uh, series on on scripture and thinking through the confession. Uh, really important to get this foundation laid properly so that we can build on it uh, all the truths and doctrines that scripture teaches. So glad that we're getting a chance to do it. If you uh, enjoyed this episode, we hope that you will uh, like and subscribe and pass it on to other friends. And we hope that you will join us again next time as we dig further into uh, chapter one of the London Baptist Confession on the Holy Scriptures. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.